We've looked at this over the last several months, and we have to understand that wealth is a gift from God. I don't care what it is. God made this world. He made it rich for us who are on this world. Had He not wanted us to enjoy us, He would have put our butts on the moon. But He put us here. Not only did He put us here in a a world that is rich, but He also made us rich in the ability to extract and utilize that wealth. Okay, So so if if you ever just really want to contemplate it, think of the richness of this planet. I don't care what it is. And we have to understand that it was by God's design. Okay, so when I kind of get my head wrapped around that idea, that the wealth that is here is God's gracious gift to me, then the utilization of that gracious gift should be very important to each and every one of us. And Christian giving in chapters 8 and 9 is being modeled by us, illustrated to us, by these Macedonians. There are three churches in Macedonia, the Berean church, the church in Thessalonica, and the church in Philippi. And they show us how we are to give. How are we to utilize our wealth, our money resources, and how is it to the Lord? Albert Schweitzer, a renowned child psychologist, and everyone knows how much I love psychologists, said there are three ways to teach a child. The first is by example. The second is by example. Guess what the third one is? By example. The Apostle Paul is doing that here with these churches in Macedonia. Three churches. And these three churches had learned that any earthly possessions can be turned to wealth that is eternal. Now think about that for a second. You've got to really realize what I just said. Earthly possessions can be turned to eternal wealth. And what you do or don't do is indicative of it. Whatever is given to the Lord's work becomes immortal. Have you ever pondered that? Martin Luther said this, and I quote, I have held many things in my hands. I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hand, that I will always possess. Unquote. The Macedonians had learned this. Um, I, I was reading some stuff on Jim Elliott. Uh, you probably don't remember Jim Elliott. Uh, you remember his wife, Elizabeth. Uh, she survived. <laughs> okay. Here's what Jim Elliott said. Quote, He is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Unquote. The Macedonians are an example of giving. They were exchanging the earthly treasures for heavenly wealth. Okay? 
But I want us to think about this for a second because it's easy to get wrapped up in it. In the next couple of weeks, I want to teach about the Christian tithe. Okay, I know a lot of Christians who believe they should tithe. Then some of them get really spiritual and they say, well, the actual tithe to the Jews was 23%, so I should be given 23%. And uh, I'm going to ruin your perspective because I love you guys to death. I cannot find anywhere a Christian tithe. Sorry. I mean, you can, oh, but then what should I? Really? You want to ask me that? Anyone brave enough to ask me, what should you give to God? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> okay. Look at verse 5, and this is the reason I want you to think about this. Not as we expected, but they first, what? Gave themselves to the Lord. See, once you do that, giving is a non-issue. There's not even a percentage to it. Why? What did you give first? See, they gave themselves and out of giving themselves to the Lord, out of that, they're giving modeled to us today. Listen, I will tell you this emphatically. Your giving is a direct measure of your devotion to Christ. Okay? Jesus taught more on money than anybody. And he used it as a direct barometer to spiritual condition. When Zacchaeus got saved, what did he give? Half. Right off the bat, half. Then anybody that I cheated, I will pay back four times. Almost makes you wish you'd have been cheated, huh? Look, profit. The, their character, their spiritual character was defined in their giving. And you know, we've been going through the church in Thessalonica here on Sunday nights. And uh, it was an amazing church. Mind-boggling church. But let me tell you something. It was a dirt poor church. And if you look throughout history, usually those who would enter into devotion to Jesus Christ didn't have much. You have a handful. But you also have to remember, Jesus says it is extraordinarily difficult. For a wealthy person to get into heaven. Why? What do they put their faith in? Their wealth. Their wealth. So we've been looking at this and we've seen that it, their giving was based on God's grace. They understood God's grace. That was their motive. Because the grace of God. Now listen, I want you to understand something. This is not human giving. Okay? This is a supernatural motive. God's grace at work. You, you see all of these when there's a tragedy. You see all of these uh, let's raise money concerts. You don't have to have a concert. Put all the musicians, tell them to give 50%. You'll get more. You tell me you want to help. You know, the tornado hit or the hurricane hit or whatever. I'll do a concert. 
I'll do it for free. Well, that's awful nice of you. Won't you just give me 50%? You can go out and sell another record. But they won't do that. Why? Those that give that are not saved never give sacrificially. That motive ain't there. They will never give to the point of changing their lifestyle. And yet I've already told you that if you're head over heels in debt, sell your assets, pay off your debt. It's not hard. Why? You want to be in a position to give when God says give. So it is by God's grace. I look at God's grace and I say, I have this unmerited favor that is divine. And I will give because of that motive. Second thing is, the Macedonians gave beyond their circumstances. It's not based on their circumstances. You will hear this a lot. If I had more, I would give more. And I hear people this, you know, I went and bought lotto tickets. Why? Well, if I win this, I'm going to give 10% to the church. $400 million. You'll give 10%. But you're going to give 45% to the federal government. It's awful gracious of you. It's awful gracious of you. And I've already told you gambling is not a way God wants us to earn anything. So anybody thinking, well, I'll go get me one. Preacher said to. Okay. So it is beyond our circumstances. You give out of whatever you have. Here's one of the things that I've watched happen. And we're all have guilty on it. And when my budget gets tight, who do I cheat first? God or me? Well, God has the cattle on a thousand hills. Or is that a thousand cattle on a hill? I don't know exactly how that all works, but he don't need it. He just exposed your character. So it is beyond circumstances. They also gave with joy. They were afflicted, it says. A great ordeal of affliction and their deep poverty overflowed. And if you look at it historically, Macedonian was dirt poor. They were taxed. They were in a recession. They were in oppression of the Roman government. And what they did produce, it was more like slave labor. Most of the income that was produced in the Macedonian area was day-to-day wages. In mines and logging. And that's what they made. And yet, even out of that, It was with joy they gave. An abundance of joy. Fourthly, their poverty didn't hinder it. It says their deep poverty overflowed. It means they had more than enough poverty. And yet with joy they still gave. With joy they still gave. They were deeply poured, yet they were deeply generous in their giving. Okay, then part of the reason you can see that is the fifth thing. They were generous. Why? Because their wealth of their liberality. And I showed you the word liberality. And what it means is they were single-minded. They were single-minded. They weren't 
torn between, do I get the new car? Or maybe I get a used car and I'll just cut back on my giving to the church. Not a lot, just a little bit. It won't be that big a deal. You know, and I've got these other things I need to get done. These are really going to help. The church won't miss it. There's plenty of people in the building. They'll compensate for it. It's one of the things that has always amazed me about church budgets. We vote on church budgets. And we all say, Amen. What you're saying is, I will make sure that this budget is met. Wait till I get the next one. <laughs> but, but I watch this on a regular basis. If it gets tight at that, you know, gas went up. I'm going to have to cut back a little bit. Well, the easiest place to cut back is what? Their abundance of their generosity was based on the fact that they were single-minded. They looked at it and said, you know, the eternal things are the single most important thing here. What am I investing in that has eternal? What can I take here that is temporal and put it into the hands of God so it has eternal reward? Then the sixth thing, first part of chapter, verse 3. I testify that according to their ability, beyond their ability. Um, it was sacrificial. Now listen, it doesn't mean... Um, I know churches here in Castle Rock now who have credit card swipers. That you can give... At the time of giving on Visa, MasterCard, I don't think they take American Express. But anyway. And I'm sitting there going, you're going to go in debt for Jesus. Okay. Paul says here, I testify. When he says that, he's saying, I have firsthand experience of this. And if you think about it, the Berean church, the church in Thessalonica, and the, the church in Philippi, he does. He knew their hearts. He saw the radical change that had brought each of them into salvation. He knew their leadership. He knew what their focus was. It's, it's uh, some of the ministries that we are involved with. I've had an opportunity to meet with the men and sit down and hash out some stuff. And you know, one of the things that I look at is, what do you think about the Bible? That's key to me. I don't care who your music guy is. I don't care if you got loud music or quiet music. I don't care if you do it a cappella. I don't care if you got a set of drums. What do you do with the Word of God? And you can see through that just that quick. Paul knew these people. He knew the leadership. He knew their hearts. And it says, according to their ability. It's a qualifying phrase. And it's in regard to their giving. They gave according to their power. They gave according to their ability. They gave according to their capability. Each gave as he or she was 
Abel. Drop down to verse 12. For if the readiness is present, okay, we're still talking about giving. If the readiness to give is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Fascinating statement. Okay? You're not expected to give what you don't have. That's why I, you know, I get these magazines, uh, uh, catalogs and things to help your ministry. I'm glad everybody's helping. But they're credit card swipers. And you can set up an account with them and you pay like 1% and they will credit it to a PayPal account for you. And zing it and you do it and everybody's happy. And I'm sitting there going, you're going to ask the church to swipe a credit card? For an eternal kingdom. How do you do that with a good conscience? I don't even care if you're a crook. How do you do that with a good conscience? I I don't understand that. That, that, I'm going to give to Jesus at debt at 19%. No. Read verse 12. If the readiness is present... I'm ready to give. Here is a need of the saints of God. Then you give according to what you have. That's why when I went back, and if you go back to those old sermons I was teaching back over the last couple of months, you go back to that, you need to put yourself in a place of readiness. I've I've put a little money away. I've planned for the future. I'm taking care of the needs of my family. Keyword, needs, not wants. Needs of my family. I've got it all taken care of. And all of a sudden now, something steps up. God says, I'm ready. I'm in. That's what the Macedonians were doing. And they were doing it out of their poverty. You're not expected to give what you do not have. Give what you have. Remember, I showed you the morality of money. I showed you the love of money. I showed you how to acquire money. And I showed you how to use money. And you know what? All God asks is give according to your ability. Let me tell you something. I don't care where you are. If you're in this country, you have a massive ability. You have a massive ability. When I can have a lady that I preach at, I preached in a town, Zeminfka, has a population of about 3,500 people, and they have 100% unemployment. Did you hear what I said? Nobody's got a job in Zeminfka. It used to be a communist co-op farm. Communism fell. Farm's gone. It took all the tractors, all the plows, all the planters. Everything's gone. There are a bunch of abandoned grain silos. That's all that is there. There's not a business in Zeminfka. People get their groceries from relatives coming to and fro. And yet this lady, after I got done preaching, she says, I do not have any money. And she hands me a bag of eggs. She says, this is all I have to give you. 
And all I can think of is the widow's mite. She gave me two cents. That's amazing to me. You and I don't know what poverty is. I don't care what your income bracket is. You have no idea what poverty is. I've seen poverty. I've seen people picking the limbs off a tree so they would have a fire to cook on in their homes. That's how they were going to make it. No. We don't know what poverty is. It is all God is asking is give according to your ability. Listen, New Testament. I'm a, we are a new covenant church. You understand that, right? We just celebrated it. It's the blood of the new covenant. You will not find a fixed amount to give. You will not find a fixed percentage to give. You will not find a tenth or 5% or 23%. You cannot find it in the New Testament. It's not there. They gave according to their ability. Think about our ability. You know, I watch people say, well, am I supposed to give 10% of the gross over the net? And I, I, I have a hard time dealing with them people. Chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. He was collecting for the saints in Jerusalem. He was already doing it and he was doing it over the course of a year. They gave according to their ability. Each is different. Each person is different. The thing is that I got to ask you, am I spending more on the temporal or am I spending more on the eternals? I would like to see 50% of our budget go to missions. That has been my passion since I took the pulpit. I want to see 50%. We're at 25 right now. So we're halfway there. And everybody says, well, 50%? How do we do that? Thought you'd never ask. You give out of your prosperity. You give according to your ability. So ask yourself a question. Do you think that here you're prosperous? And I'd ask, do you think that you waste anything? Macedonians gave whatever they were capable of. Jesus said that the widow who gave two half-cent coins gave more than all the rest. But she could have given a gold coin. She didn't have it. She gave two half-cent coins. She gave one penny. One cent. And Jesus said, no, she gave more. That's why. She gave what she was capable of. She gave everything. And I I wonder at times, what do we do? And and I'm guilty of it too. It's not that I'm sitting here trying to bow, you guys. I know what it is. 
There's times, and that's why I have learned very difficultly that there's something I want, I locate it, this is the best price, I walk away from it. And I usually say, take 30 days to say, really? Really? It's like, uh, think about this. When people go to the doctors, your cholesterol's high, your blood pressure's low or high or whatever, and you're all jacked up, and they all smile at you and say, you need to exercise. So we all run out and buy a treadmill so we can hang our clothes on it. You know, you get on, I turn my treadmill on and let it run. Dude, that thing is in shape. It can almost run indefinitely. I'm impressed. But we all do that. You know, I need to do something to better myself so I'll go buy one so I can sell it at a yard sale. That's what we do. But if you would take it and back away from it and say, do I really? You know, you need to get in shape. Have you ever thought about maybe walking to the mailbox? You know, you know how much that costs you? You don't know where my mailbox is. Perhaps you just got the point. Our giving is not to be for the furthering of our debt. Okay? God expects us to give out of what we have. He's not worried about what your gross is. He's not worried about what your net is. It is not a fixed amount. It is not a percent of what you have. None of that has anything to do with Christian giving. None of it. Absolutely not none of it. And all over the next couple of weeks, I'll prove it to you. Because Christian giving is an issue of the heart. It ain't got nothing to do with what you got. It is the condition of your heart. Are you devoted to Christ? Nobody? (laughs) I ain't saying nothing. (laughs) He'll ask me something else in a minute. Okay? It's a trick. It's a trap. He's setting us up. I can tell. If you're devoted to Christ, it's all His. We all smile and say, yes, it is. Then give it to Him. Well, I'll wait. You told me it was out of my capability. I'm not capable. Then make Him take it. (laughs) So, because I've watched Him. I know in my life, I've watched him shrink a dollar. I've watched him stretch a dollar. And I can be honest with you, I have no idea how he did that. There was a stretch there where I had two families living in my home who could not pay me a nickel. Okay? And my electricity went up. My water went up. My groceries were, oh! And I don't know how it worked. And I can go back to it right now and say, I took a 25% cut in pay and we made it. And the math don't fit. Doesn't even get close. You're like, man, it's just income and output ain't really in line. It's just going out. And I don't know where in is at. But I watched him do it. He took care of it. And I still to this day sit and look at that and go, Huh. 
How did that happen? And, and, and as my wife, we would look at the month's budget and say, this is going to be exciting. And the next thing you know, yeah, we were done. We all ate well. And you're trying to figure out how in the world did that all come together? It's an issue of the heart. It is a barometer of your spiritual condition. Do you trust him? You want to watch a Christian be tested? Mess with her money. It's amazing. That dollar bill in God we trust. Right there he is. That ain't him. That ain't him. But you think about the average Christian today, how much faith do they put in the almighty dollar and then the almighty God? How do they do it? And you know what? I know for a fact that everyone in this room has done it. There's been a time you're like, oh my gosh, this is not going to work out well. Well, do you trust him? Oh, sure. This must be the time I'm supposed to buy a lotto ticket. Right, because it's at 400 million. And that would be just about right. It's an issue of the heart. These Macedonians gave what they had. And yet they gave beyond. They were sacrificial, even given beyond what they had. They may have had a few denarii ahead. And they said, there is a need in Jerusalem. I will give him my savings. Beyond what they could. Beyond what they would be expected because they were very poor Christians. You know what? I read somebody and he said this. It, quote, it is a contradiction to their condition. Unquote. Unquote. And you know what? In my life, I have watched the poorer people tend to give more than the wealthy people. We do the, the, the Emmanuel's Child Stars. Okay, the coalition that gets together, it was together, it's sort of foofed now. Um, there were several, what I call mega churches. Uh, anything more than 40 people is a mega church? No. Um, uh, there were several churches, large churches, uh, 1,000 to 2,000 people. Okay? And they would sell, the, the, you know, here $25 for an Emmanuel's child star. There's a little bitty church down. Remember, somebody remember when we went and met with Spiros Zodiades? Okay? That church, I don't want to mention it because let's go out on the air. That church is a very small church. Uh, not bigger than us. Okay? About 100, 110 people. Do you know that they, every year, were dwarfing all of the churches in the Antioch Initiative by the number of stars they were buying? They averaged 4,500 stars every Christmas. They'll be church. We outgave a church that has 3,000 members. And we only did, I think we were doing 25 or 30 at that time. How is that? Well, some are more devoted. Verse 2 of this chapter, they gave out of deep poverty. 
and great ordeal of affliction. We looked at that a lot last week. They were in tough times. Life was extraordinarily hard for them. They had very little. They were extremely poor. It was a contradiction to their condition. I looked at these coalition partners that we deal with, and some of these churches are massive, and you think, well, they must be just jamming for Jesus. And they're not. They're not. No regards for themselves, the Macedonians. It ain't about us. There's no regard for their future needs. Why? They believe Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs. They were concerned and compelled by their concern, their care, their love, compassion, and obedience to the things of God. They were single-minded. They were glad to place themselves into an impoverished position, even further dependent on God. Most of us in this room right now have very little dependence on God. Have a decent job, work is doing okay, got my health care, my 401, whatever. I've got, I'm kind of cruising along, got me a car, car paid off. I got this going, I got that going. And your dependence is on what? The Macedonians believed God would supply all of their needs. And they believed so well that it was seen. It was visible. They took no thought of what they should eat or drink or wear. God would meet that need. They believed what Jesus said in Matthew 6. If he can clothe the lilies of the field more splendor than Solomon, and he can feed the birds of the air, will he not care for his own? They agreed with the psalmist, though you, if you walk in my righteousness in the midst of famine, you shall not hunger. They believed that. That was that heart. You know, I watch a lot of people, they like to quote the Psalms and things of David and, and you know, some of the things about David's life they kind of see there, I told you. One um, did I want you to think about the King David? Okay, and make a note of this because it's a fascinating thought. First Chronicles 21, verse 24. 2124, 1 Chronicles. This is David, king. Right? This is what he says. I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. That's good stuff. Most Christians today give out of their fruit. They never give first fruit. I was reading a guy that kind of cranky like I am. He says, why do Christians give leftovers? I thought, yeah, yeah, probably right. The Macedonians gave that which is a sacrifice. They were not about to give God that which was not sacrificial 
And they had a joy, overwhelming, abundant joy. They were glad to place themselves into a deeper dependence of God supplying their needs. That freaks us out in America. That's why the Russian brethren can tell me they pray for us because in America, you add Christ to your life. In Russia, Christ is life. Do I depend on God supplying my needs? And do I desire with joy in my heart to become more dependent? That's like saying, well, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, how about I count it all joy when you fall into various trials? And I'll learn from your lesson. And I'll tell you how gracious you are to show me. By showing generosity to the poor saints in Jerusalem, by the way, whom they had never met, They showed their heart. It is a heart issue, people. I don't care what anybody says. And you can sit and say, well, you know, a typical preacher, he's talking about giving, and I got to give more, and I got to do this. You know what? It's a heart issue. You give out of the proportion that you have. I mean, we've got young people in here that are working part-time. We've got people in here who are retired. We've got people who are in, what do you call that thing? Transition. I'm in a transition, which is completely different than a transmission. And you say, well, I just can't. Well, it's a hard issue. And I will take you back to their liberality, their single-mindedness. Most of us that are in America today are trying to make money for our entertainment. You know, we're going to work overtime so we can go on vacation. Listen, there's nothing wrong going on vacation. But my question is, would you work overtime to give to the summer camps in Russia? I know. Well, they're not offering overtime right now. (laughs) They only seem to offer it when I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I think it's the work of the devil. That's the kind of stuff that I I try to get people to ask. They had never met these poor saints in Jerusalem. They knew that they were poorer than they were. Okay? And yet they gave sacrificially out of their poverty. That's amazing to me. But that's a person or people who says, My God shall supply my needs. That's a person who looks like King David and says, I will not give to the Lord that that costs me nothing. That's the kind of people we need to be. We need to step up because the last one there, giving is voluntary. And I will look at that next week as I open the door on what is a Christian supposed to give. Okay? Because it is voluntary.
Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Macedonians. And Father, the example that they set for the Corinthians. And yet, Father, the example they set for your church in America today. Father, I praise you for the things that you do. Father, I praise you for the amazing things that you have, the amazing blessings that you have poured upon each and every one of us here this day. Father, may we never take it for granted. And may you help us to be single-minded, to look at the things above and rejoice. Rejoice, seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, I pray, beginning with me and my precious brothers and sisters, that you will put an overwhelming desire in each of our hearts to take these temporal things and invest them in the eternal things. That each of us may store up our treasure in heaven where rust and moth and thief cannot destroy. To your glory and praise. In Christ's name. Amen.